This is football, I'm Kevin Clark. I just saw something, and if you're a Bears fan, just close your ears if that's possible. If you're driving, pull over. Um, I just saw something that made me so sad. That Jordan Love has 30 touchdowns in the season, that's more than any Bears quarterback in history. And I don't know, like I, I know that's possible because I've seen the numbers. I don't know how it's possible in the context of the Bears history to have not accidentally had a guy throw for 30 touchdowns, 3,000 yards, like all the things that in the passing boom, like guys accidentally did, they just backed into it. That just never happened with the Bears. Never. It's just, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, there's all sorts of things I could break down here, except to say, I don't know how the Bears exist. All right. Anyway, um, I'm not going to do that. We can do a little bit of Justin Fields a little bit later. Um, that decision is becoming more spicy and more clear, I think. Um, but that's not one of the things I had planned. We're doing five most important things of week 17. I'm going to start very quickly with number one. And that's that the refs are not corrupt. They're just bad. Let's start here. If the refs were rigging games for the Cowboys, the Cowboys would have a lot more to show for it over the past three decades. They have none. And let's like expand that to every single sport. Like I know that people say, oh, well, NBA refs rig games for XYZ. Well, then why did the San Antonio Spurs have an unbelievable run for 20 years? Like bad, bad ref rigging there, buddy. Um, if there's any bias, it's toward longer series, by the way, in in those other sports that, that don't have a finite number of games like the NFL does. Um, anyway, uh, I think that what we saw on Saturday, and the NFL hates, hates when the refs are the story. Hates it. And if anything, Brad Allen's statement that the Lions were lying is only going to make things worse. It's going to go into this week. And players are going to be asked about it. And there's going to be some back and forth. And at least one Lions player will go off message and kind of probably go at the at the the referees and kind of their confusion. And, and listen, like we know what happened. It's the it, uh, most obvious thing in the world what happened, which is that the Lions were trying to confuse the Cowboys and they confused the refs too, which is not hard to do if you watch NFL referees. So I don't view it as a conspiracy. I view it as... Just a, a, an officiating crew that makes a bunch of mistakes, making one more. Like I saw the phrase from a couple of people, including I think Jeff Schwartz and Nate Tice, that Brad Allen was on autopilot. And that's probably a good way to put it. He was not assessing the situation with the rigor that you should have when it's the fourth quarter of a huge NFC game. I don't think there's a fix except better refs. Like in that situation, eye in the sky, which I've called for before, wouldn't have helped there. Um, they could not have Zapruder filmed that from a bunch of different angles that quickly. That wouldn't be a five second fix. Um, the, the only fix is to get better refs. And I, I, I think that the report already came out that Adam Schefter said that, 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 that crew will likely not make the playoffs. That's a good start. Um, these are the best refs in the world. They are not in any way conspiratorial. This was just like, let's do Occam's razor here. The simplest explanation is usually the best. This was one of the worst crews acting like one of the worst crews. And I hate it for the Lions. Um, I think that in a season in which we're celebrating all the Detroit football can be to have this hang over their head, like they'll move on. Like Dan Campbell's a really good coach. That roster is really good. Like I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl here. 
Um, I don't think they're capable of that, but I think they're capable of winning a playoff game. And I also think that it's the type of team that's not going to whine about this for a long time. They're not. And unless unless something wild happens, we're home field or the one seed, which could have been in play here. If that if that becomes the determining factor, you know, if a two point loss or something on the road, we can talk about it. But I think they'll get over it. Um, but the refs are not corrupt. They're just bad. If they were corrupt, the Dallas Cowboys would have won a hell of a lot more than just last night. Like the Packers probably would never win a game. Small market. Like, like there's no, like I, people are like, oh, it's rigged for ratings. Why does it have to be rigged for ratings? Do you ever look at NFL ratings? They're unbelievable. The NFL can do whatever they want. If they rigged it for ratings, like I, they probably hurt. They probably hurt the ratings. The ratings are, are unbelievable now. They just own every single window they ever do. So no, nothing is rigged, just bad. Um, All right, another quick one to get to before I get to my substantial point. So David Tepper, Panthers owner, worst owner in the league, filmed throwing a drink on Jaguars fans. And this was in Jacksonville. I'm from Florida. I will tell you, throwing a drink in Florida, just part of our local culture. It's what we do. A lot of throwing drinks, um, but David Depper's not allowed to do that. Um, I think there'll be a, and I saw some wild takes about like, oh, Goodell's going to drop the hammer on Tepper, whatever he is. He is not. That will not be happening. First of all, like, yeah, you shouldn't do this, but this is not the, this is not the end of the world. Um, I think David Tepper has embarrassed himself in a lot worse ways than just this. And the owners have done this before. I mean, Bud Adams flicked off fans. Um, we've, we've had this sort of thing in the past, never a drink being thrown. We've seen this kind of thing before. Owners run the league. They get a lot of leeway. And I think that, I think when Robert Kraft, there was a lack of punishment there a couple of years ago. Um, and I think people brought out that quote, people saying, well, the owners have a higher standard than the players do. That is that's something people say, but it's not true. Um, that is not like, that's just not how business works at all. The owners run the league and people, people are like, well, what if this is a player? Well, again, it's not. So if I had to guess what was going to happen one week left in the season, maybe some sort of unofficial or official one week punishment for week 18, tell them to stay home, tell a reporter about it. If it's not official and like big, big Dom there for a week where they're just like, all right, just stay home for the rest of the season. You're good. You don't have to worry about the Panthers playoff game. So that's all set. So just remove them from that. I don't, I don't see a big hammer being thrown. I think, listen, th- this is, this is like number five of the most embarrassing things David Depper's done in the last 18 months. And it shows you, and, then, and people were bringing up stories, New York mag and a couple other places. Basically he's, he's said he has, kind of a competitive temper. I'm not surprised by this. And there's probably a reality to Tepper that has, has I was going to say, is seeping in. It, it is seeped in. It, it could not be further in him, which is that he's not nearly as good at this as he thought he was going to be. And every owner thinks they're going to be amazing at it. And I saw Patrick Doherty say this earlier. Like he, he Tepper sits around, makes billions of dollars, moving money around spreadsheets. And then all of a sudden he gets here. He's the alpha male. Well, guess what, buddy? You got shut up by CJ Beathard. And you're so used to being king of every room you're in. 
And then you get in the NFL owners meetings in Palm Beach or Phoenix or Orlando or whatever. And nobody respects you because in, in that way because you hired Matt Rule, had to pay out. Next year you hired Frank Reich, had to pay out. Can't get anything going. And I think there's always been, and somebody said this uh, about some rich owners a couple of years ago. And it, it stuck with me. Some, somebody was just kind of gossiping to me. And they'd be like, I think that these guys, and listen, in 99% of things within NFL ownership is still about money. So no, it's not like people are like, well, nobody respects you even though you have $11 billion. No, no, no. There's a lot of respect that comes with that. But you're in these rooms and you're being judged on more than that. You're being judged on, did you win the Super Bowl? Did you hire the best GM in football? Do you have the last 20 years you know, of sustained success? And you're getting into people without money can be on an even playing field with people with money. And that's an adjustment. That's not a Tepper specific thing. That's a that's an adjustment every billionaire gets to make. Now, every single owner is a billionaire many times over uh, that comes in the league. First of all, they're, they're billionaires because they own the team. That's first of all. I'm saying anybody who comes in the league now is rich beyond their, anyone's wildest imagination. And that means a couple of things. They're changing the structure of the league because they can afford $30 million buyouts, $40 million buyouts. They can afford... If they wanted to, massive guaranteed contracts for quarterbacks, massive guaranteed contracts if they wanted to, or sorry, large contracts. There used to be cash flow issues with teams. That's not really happening anymore um, when you talk about guaranteed money and deals. Not fully guaranteed. I'm talking about massive guarantees that, that would require um, some cash on hand. That's not happening anymore. There's no such thing as a broke owner anymore. And even the ones we think are broke, the assets are so large that they're not. Um, and so... Someone like Tepper comes in, and I think he thinks he can change it a little more than he actually can. And he thinks he can dominate a little bit more than he can. And you see it all get funneled into one thing, which is throwing a drink in Jacksonville. Buddy, we've all been there. Um, All right, so let's get to the football part of it. So the AFC seeds that are currently locked in, there's only two. Number one seed, Ravens. Number five seed, Browns. I put this out today as as a group exercise, group project, guys. And uh, you guys, as normal, through most of my academic career, this this held, which is that during group project, I I didn't do any of the work. You guys, my my comrades did, and, and I took the grade. But the question was was simple. Who do you trust the most? And the way I did it was, I said, let's play a game. There are four teams you get to pick from. If one of those four teams wins the Super Bowl, you get to double your life savings. If any other team in the NFL wins a Super Bowl, you lose everything. And I was really surprised. So first of all, everybody had the Ravens. Everybody had the Niners. I was really surprised at the hierarchy from there. A lot of people had the Cleveland Browns ahead of the Dolphins, Cowboys, Bills, Chiefs. Chiefs being the most surprising of those, the course of the day wore on. I don't blame the anti-Chiefs people. My list would likely be Ravens, Niners, Cowboys, Chiefs. Reason being, the Dolphins, I, I mean, I, as recently as three weeks ago, I thought that they had the, the pole position. Now, all of a sudden, they lose today, obviously. Xavier Howard hurt. Bradley Chubb hurt. 
And the things, I, the pieces I thought, the, the, the pass rush depth, the defense is going to be good enough to, I mean, in the AFC, the, the Dolphins are the best passing offense, um, and it's not even close. They're, they're closer to the Niners than they are, the third place team um, in the NFL. But, which I believe is the Texans, of all people. But you didn't know that. The Texans, by yards per attempt, are the third best team in the NFL this year. C.J. Stroud is really good. But I thought the Dolphins, if they came in at maybe better form, fuller strength, a little healthier, I thought they could get over the loss of Jalen Phillips. But if, if more defenders are getting hurt, that just doesn't get them on the level. Um, a lot of Bills people... I, I sorry, I'd rather take the Chiefs, given what I've seen um over the past couple of years. And also just like the Bills. I mean, like it's, a lot of times if you if if a team tells and this is the old thing, old, you know, Bill Parcell said it many times, not you your record is what you record you are what your record says you are, heard that a million times. But the other one, which is if a team tells you what they are, believe it. I think we look for reasons to say, okay, they're turning the corner, they're turning the corner, they're turning the corner. If a team shows you that and I'm gonna contradict myself in a second here. Um, if a team shows you that they're a bottom half of the playoff bracket team, there's normally not a run in them. Now, there are exceptions, and we've talked about this before, but like I thought James Cook coming in and shaking things up was going to be a game changer. The next week they go out and they get spanked and, and nothing happens there. So that that run that maybe I thought they were going to go on, I don't know if it's developing as much. Now, the Chiefs, maybe it's a brand thing. Maybe it's a brand name thing. Maybe it's a legacy thing. I cannot remove them from the teams I trust the most list. Even though, Mar- I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to begin. First of all, I do know where to begin. Mahomes still throwing to MVS after all he's done. And the highest drop rate in the league for someone who throws very catchable, easy balls. I mean... Mahomes should win Walter Man Payton of the Year. Peyton Manning, excuse me, Walter Payton Man of the Year for this. Like it's it's who's doing more charity work right now than Patrick Mahomes trying to save MVS's career and give him that chance because all it takes is one touchdown for him to turn the narrative of his entire career. That's all it takes. And I mean, like you know, someone like, like JD Drew with the Red Sox. Remember that awful contract, and then he hits a grand slam in the World Series. Everybody forgets about it. Um, but this is still MVS being, getting so many snaps still within the accepted margin of error. Um, when they were bringing pressure against Jake Browning on Sunday, Romo, while the sack was happening, said, this is why the Chiefs can still win the Super Bowl." And I agree with them. That defense plus Mahomes plus Andy Reid can get you there. Now there are real concerns that I have. Number one is that, um, they're just not as aggressive. Um, saw a couple of people say, you know, fourth and one, kicking the field goal, chance to win the game, and they they just go conservative. Um, that wouldn't have happened three years ago. They would have run a sprint right option. Hell, they did it with Chad Henney a couple of years ago. Um, you know, there was that there was that thing last week. I think it was that Kyle Shanahan never comes back in the fourth quarter where they're down eight. Well, nobody does. Only Mahomes does. They used to be able to score in chunks. They used to be able to score in bursts. They can't do that anymore. They've gotten more conservative because they have to be. They are no longer a juggernaut. Um, this is the first time in Mahomes' career was a touchdown percentage under five percent, biggest INT percentage of his career. Success rate way down. He's not 
the same quarterback in this offense with the pieces around him because he doesn't have the most efficient supporting cast. Travis Kelsey is taking a dip in form and the receivers are, are gas station attendants. Um, he's throwing shorter versus the sticks. And even the easy stuff that he's so good at, he's being let down by his teammates. Mitch Schwartz said the other day, or today rather, that uh, he was Patrick was literally saying, watch the nickel. And nobody watched the nickel. Nickel blitzed. And Patrick goes down. Like, I don't know. I, he's trying really hard. He's really good at this. And he's being let down by a supporting cast. But I can't sit here and say, Mahomes, I said this after the Super Bowl last year, Mahomes' floor with Andy Reid should be the AFC Championship game. Just like the New England Patriots were more years than not in the AFC title game in the Final Four and then whatever happens, happens. That should be the expectation. Even The defense is improved. The supporting cast is worse on offense. I think that's a fair trade. I still have that expectation. I will never treat Patrick Mahomes like an underdog. He's too good for that. So he's on my list. But I want to focus on the Ravens here because they were more or less unanimous. And I got like 200 responses on this, whether it's on quote tweet or or in replies. And I'm starting to think about something with Mahomes because it relates to the Chiefs. Because I think at his peak, nobody's better than Mahomes. I don't think it's possible. Like physically, I don't think it's possible. But I think number two in the what they look like at their peak, I think it's Lamar Jackson. So first of all, Lamar Jackson is the MVP. This debate is over. The MVP award more times than not ends up like the BCS, the old BCS. Eh, you know, works itself out. College football playoff, eh, works itself out. Everything is revealed to you. But... I'm stunned by a couple of, of pieces of information that I saw on Sunday. Number one, the most wins by 14 or more points versus teams with a winning record in NFL history. 2023 Ravens have seven. That is best all time tied with 2014 Patriots. They won the Super Bowl. And then after that is the 1925 Pottsville Maroons. I am not ashamed to say I spent about an hour in a 1925 Pottsville Maroons Wikipedia hole. On their schedule was a Notre Dame alumni all-star team. And then like, I think an Atlantic city team was on there. And then the Packers Packers were on their schedule, but not a lot of teams that uh, you've heard of um, coached by a guy named Dick Roch. Absolutely not joking. That was the guy's name. Um, but the reason I think that's the reason I think they blowing out really good teams is related to the next thing, which is that, and this is via Chase Stewart, Lamar Jackson versus Miami today had a perfect pass rating, four touchdowns, three completions, three incompletions. So more touchdowns than incompletions and a perfect pass rating. Last quarterback to do that, Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati. Four years ago. Last quarterback to do that. Before that. You guessed it. Lamar Jackson versus Miami. In 2019. So the last three instances. Of a perfect passer rating. Four touchdowns. And then fewer incompletions and touchdowns. Lamar Jackson. All the way down. When he is at his best. You cannot stop it. 
the only person who can match him in that department is Mahomes, and Mahomes is not going to do it this year. Guess what? Turns out receivers matter, and Zay Flowers, Odo Beckham. By the way, Odo Beckham says the best team he's ever played on, and I don't know if, if he's a. I, I don't know Odell enough to know if he's just trying to hype up his guys, but that's a pretty significant statement. But they upgraded the skill guys, and Todd Monk and the OC trust Lamar Jackson. After the game, he said the Lamar said Munkin is letting him be a decision maker. Um, the Odell catch down the right sideline, which was incredible. That was checked in man coverage. And he just wanted Odell the chance to, to go grab it. And he did. And the dolphins challenged. And it was weird, but Lamar talked about how great. It is to have the freedom to go see things on the field and go do it after that. Um, the Ravens are, Third in interception percentage, low interception percentage. So that's a good thing. Um, fifth in yards per attempt, which, as I've told you, I consider the most important metric. Then you add in what Lamar can do as a runner, the way he just stretches defense in general. Um, I'm seeing something, and I think didn't I say he was going to win the MVP and the and could win the Super Bowl in like week three on this podcast? Um, we're seeing something. We're seeing the the rebirth of something that I think anybody who's been around it knows how special he could have been every single year. And there were a couple of reasons why that was health, whether that's supporting cast, we just did not see it. And I'm not going to ding Greg Roman for a lot of that. I think at the end that got stale, but I do think he built the original offense that was so good around him. But this guy is unbelievable. And I always go back to something. If you guys remember the viral stop, start, goal line touchdown he had in high school and was a junior in, in in high school. I called the opposing coach of that team, um, of that game. His name was Don Hanna. And he told me Lamar embarrassed him so much, that team so much, that he looked in the mirror and said, am I not doing something right? Am I, am I, am I not the coach I thought I was? Am I not putting my guys in position to succeed? We got... Lamar Jackson from Boynton Beach is running all over, so we can't stop him. It had been two games they played him in, and both times Lamar Jackson embarrassed all 11 guys in the defense. It's a little bit of a funk. So then, a couple years later, turns on the TV, sees Florida State, can't handle Lamar Jackson. Clemson, can't handle Lamar Jackson. A couple years after that, Miami Dolphins cannot handle Lamar Jackson. Cincinnati Bengals cannot handle Lamar Jackson. What's the through line when Lamar Jackson is playing his best? No one can handle him. And that's what we're seeing now. That's why it doesn't matter if you're a good team. Lamar Jackson can beat you. There are things he can do on a football field that, and I'm not saying he's had a perfect career, but what I am saying is that when he is doing the things that he's capable of, it's quite literally hard, impossible to defend. When his MVP year, he crossed the line of scrimmage faster than any player in football, and he's the most efficient passer in football. What do you do as a defender on that? Because there are ways, you know, I think I, I think a lot about the first playoff game he ever played, and it was Chargers, and they essentially just threw out a bunch of DBs. I think they had like eight DBs in the field the entire time. Okay, well, the offense has evolved, and that's probably not going to work anymore. Um, he played really poorly in his first playoff game. Um but that's not going to work anymore. He's evolved to be a more complete player, just like any player was, um, is. 
And I feel like sometimes, and this is something I've said many times, I feel like some players are not afforded the ability to evolve as players by the media, by the fans, and the way that others are. Um, and I feel like Lamar, there were too many proclamations over the past three years in, in the interim since his MVP season for a guy who was still really young. And the discourse around him in free agency was wild. And now the discourse to the discourse and the backlash to the backlash about free agency, I don't even understand it. Here's what I know. Lamar Jackson was available to be contacted about contract offers. And the only, if you believe the reports, the only teams that did it were half-hearted and never made a serious pursuit. They just checked in. And now I'm wondering, with Atlanta, is Lamar Jackson going to cost that regime their jobs? And we have to figure out what happened behind the scenes. But if the Falcons actually said, we don't need Lamar Jackson, and Arthur Blank was said, okay, then that might cost people their jobs. If we're flipping it, and Arthur Blank is the one who said, no, that's a different conversation. But that's Lamar Jackson in 2023. And I don't think, by the way, we might record into 2024. That's how, how late we record this show. Um, but... I don't see any reason that this would be a one-year spike. I don't. If we know he needs these types of receivers, Zay Flowers is a rookie. Um, the line is good. Like, I don't – Ronnie Stanley's been bad, but even that hasn't prevented any of this. Um, I'm – this is – this could be – this could be a very interesting AFC the next couple of years. Very, very interesting. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Obviously, Mahomes, that, that that situation will only get better as they figure out what kind of receiver he needs, which is a guy with the pulse. That's what receiver he needs, a guy who doesn't. And I, I the one thing, and I got to ask somebody who can't say about this, we can, there's no receiver version of Joe Flacco for the Chiefs to go out and sign who can just catch the damn ball. I'm all for trusting and believing people, but this is ridiculous. Um, anyway, so... That's where I'm at with the first two teams that I trust. I trust the Ravens a hell of a lot more than I trust the Chiefs, but I'm not removing the Chiefs. Um, the Cowboys, I still think that they have the capability to play as complete a game as the Niners. I've just seen it more and more. I've seen it an inconsistency more and more as we go. They should have lost that game on Saturday night. Um, and then the Browns, briefly on that, this has been this has been a miracle run. Um, and I'm so happy for Browns fans that they get this. I'm so happy for Joe Flacco that he gets to come off the couch. I will say, just to defend the Jets here for a second, everybody's like, well, the Jets, uh, the Jets, you know, they should have made a call. They should have had him in there. First of all, he would not have been like this on the Jets. Second of all, one thing you need to understand if you're a Jets fan is the thing you heard about a championship-level defense, not correct. The championship-level defense was in Cleveland. Cleveland had the infrastructure for this. The Jets didn't. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a lot better than Joe Flacco, and I've defended the Jets a bunch and said that, that, that Aaron Rodgers should get the chance to poke, patch the holes that he himself created. I'm good with that. This year was an absolute mulligan. The worst thing that's ever happened to a fan base happened to the Jets. So that's fine. But if I were to rank the top 10 worst things that ever happened to a fan base, 
The Browns have a hell of a lot of them. So I'm glad they're getting rewarded on this. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, all right. And, and then last thing. I have the phrase Big Ten in my notes. I have no idea why. I have no idea why I wrote down Big Ten earlier this afternoon. I will not be talking about the Big Ten, despite what's in my notes. Um, the Eagles legitimately stink. And I, I said the season was over a couple weeks ago, and I can only – Miles, one of our producers, I sent him a joke in Texas. Was I too soft on them when I said the season was over? It, it, it's, it's obvious. So first of all, part of the problem is you can't hone in on one thing. But the but the answers are also obvious. Like even though like I was reading the beat writers tonight, and it was like, well, it's not just the defense, also miscues on offense. Like it's it, it's bad. They whiffed on both coordinator hirings, and I don't, you know, I, people are coming at Jalen Hurts. I I do not think Jalen Hurts is is your biggest issue right now. And by the way, I saw people just, like the contract stuff. Like let me tell you something. First of all, Jalen Hurts' contract is fine. Second of all, the Eagles can get. Even if it was some sort of mistake down the road, the Eagles got out of Carson Wentz's deal just fine, just fine, and they've they recovered. Like they're not the Jets; they're not going to compound mistakes for a decade. They've shown that if that any anything, I'm not even talking about Jalen Hurts anything. Any mistake they made can be easily solved. Howie Roseman got demoted for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly cut all the good players, had two good seasons, then Howie Roseman came back, won the Super Bowl. They're good. They're fine. Infrastructure's good. Um, Eagles have 41 quarterback sacks after having 70 in 2022 starts with that. If you cannot get to the quarterback, and I, th- I, I thought Jalen Carter was going to change everything about that defense and he's been good, but he has not that defense. And again, we can, I hate, it's like the bill Barnwell always brings up the, the bill James line about how you always blame the best players in the team for not producing when a team loses. Um, I'm not going to blame Jalen Carter on that because the linebackers and the safeties have been significantly worse. Um, I just thought that they'd be closer to that 70 number. I know that was historic, but I also thought that this level of talent was vaguely historic. So I, I'm yes, I'm surprised by this. Um, you know, I I keep thinking what an end what an end to an era this could be. Um, Elliot Parks made the point earlier tonight today that the Eagles aren't going to play a home playoff game likely. Probably go to a five seed. So today could have been the last home game for Jason Kelsey, Brandon, Co- Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox. And it might be a couple of leaner years in the NFC. It might be because it's a, it's a very deep conference. We'll see what happens with the Niners here. There's a couple teams I expect to get better. Um, but you can't lose to the Cardinals. At all. And you certainly can't lose like that. The Cardinals didn't punt on Sunday. Um, The Cardinals had a bunch of guys just running the ball down their throats. And I think we saw, I think there were a lot of kind of red check engine lights. Although my my check engine light is yellow. There's, There's a bunch of lights, check engine lights, after the Niners game. Where everybody says, "All right, well, they don't they don't have the the horses to be physical with some of these teams." Um, but again, even if they weren't soft, they'd still be losing a bunch of games. And I'm not I don't think they're the softest team in the league or anything. I'm just saying that it just felt like the team that wanted to break tackles in San Francisco and play a physical style of offense. It felt like the Eagles had no no answer to that. And I I, I don't. 
believe that as normally their identity. I think that that that's a that's a roster thing right now. I don't think I, I I think more often than not they understand the physical tough teams and the Lions win football games. They understand that. It's just not translating right now. The Eagles have gone one and four over the last five games after a ten and one start, and I think pretty much everybody's saying it's breakdowns in the red zone, breakdowns in high leverage downs. Communication. Obviously, they demote Sean Desai, promote Matt Patricia. Um, I, I, it's to 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 use the internet phrase. It's never been more over because I already said the season is over. It's never been more over. Um, and I, I don't even at this point, I would never say you would want to play the Eagles in the first round, but I, I would certainly not be scared. I would not be reacting like, uh, like Michigan when they had to play Alabama in the playoff and go, Oh geez, wish we had Florida state. Wouldn't be doing that for the Eagles right now. Um, I'm good. I'm playing the Eagles. If I'm the, if I'm a top NFC NFC seed tickets to the game, merch meals at iconic restaurants stays at Caesars palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesar Sportsbook. win or lose every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, use the code Omaha full and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must wager with eligible promo code BET. Amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Hannah's New Orleans. Maine, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-888-427-426-2537 or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, Flynn, we have one listener question. We do. We got an email from Peter Macaluso. Peter says, now that he's going to be cut, do you think Russ signs a modest deal in the offseason with a chance to win a job? Or do you think he waits around and sees if a contender loses their QB a la Joe Flacco this year? Feels like a way to maintain his body and increase his rep. All right. So great question, Peter. Future of Russell Wilson. I've thought about this all week. So a couple ways he can go here. And, And there's always a danger when you get to be an older quarterback, one wrong move and you're branded a joke because you lose a quarterback competition. Like I'll give you a great example. Kurt Warner goes in to be the giants quarterback, loses his job eventually to Eli Manning. And then 
kind of like, all right, well, that's the end of that. And then he goes to Arizona, has to reinvent himself and, and make another Super Bowl. Um, you can temporarily get branded something other than what you are if you choose the wrong destination. I think Russell Wilson's been okay this year. I think he's earned a starting job somewhere. It's going to be a lower tier thing than, and it's going to be for less money, obviously. But, and also, by the way, I'm surprised that the Broncos did what they did as far as asking them to waive the guarantees and stuff. That just seems the union is involved. I'm surprised they were that overt. And it was funny because I remember years ago, I asked a GM, I said, uh, we're talking about the tracking data. And I said, do you, would you ever, this is like early on, early on in the tracking data. I said, would you ever like take a, tell a guy to take a pay cut because he used to run, you know, let's say he has the same receiving numbers. Would you, he's running 21 miles per hour and the next year he's running 19. Would you go to him and say, Hey man, you're really struggling on this. Even though you got the same amount of yardage, that's a sign of decline. Take a pay cut. And the guy was like, no, we're never that. First of all, they wouldn't. I think that it might be illegal to do that. Um, but also they're like, we're never that overt when we're telling guys to take a pay cut because we only get in trouble. We're just kind of like, hey, here's your new deal. We're never going to be like, here's your case. Here's the case that you suck. They never do that. Um, and so I, I was a little bit surprised. They were they literally said, waive your injury guarantees or else we're going to bench you. Anyway, um, so what are the options here? Well, we have to figure out Who's going to have a top pick? So that today changes a little bit of that because the Cardinals win, obviously, and that means that the New England Patriots uh, move up into third place in the draft and the Commanders move up to second. I don't think the Commanders were ever really an option for Russell Wilson, but obviously if they're getting Drake May, that removes it. Um, Couple of interesting places here, okay? Um, number one will be Pittsburgh. That was bandied about on Sunday by a couple of people. I think that'd be interesting. They've got a pretty good roster. If they think he can play, um, he'd be better than the current options. I'll say that. Would he be better than most folks on the New York Giants right now? Or all the quarterbacks? I probably, I do, I think he would be. I think the New York Giants would be a good fit, and the New York Giants are going to be picking fifth right now. Which and I know Daniel Jones can be really expensive, but they can't they can't waste a season next year if they don't believe Daniel Jones is the guy. So, what you bring? See if he'll take a kind of a medium level deal to compete. I don't know. Maybe 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 the Giants don't want to pursue that path. Maybe Brian Dable wants to, to roll with his guys, or they want to draft a young guy like a kind of a second wave guy, second apron guy, uh, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Jaden Daniels, something like that at five. I don't know. I don't know what they want to do. I literally do not know. They are such a black hole of football right now. Um, I mean, I just, I, nothing they do makes sense. Um, and so until they get the, until we figure out what, what, what's going on with the quarterback plan, um, I'm just going to put a pin in that. Atlanta, maybe. Also, a huge part of this is what happens with Justin Fields, because I'd much rather have Justin Fields than Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is the definition of mediocre, but knows what he's doing. Justin Fields' ceiling is so much higher. And I I just, I would, I would, Justin Fields might be a little more expensive, depending on what Russell Wilson's market is. But I would, t- if I'm Atlanta, I'd much rather have Justin Fields if Chicago wants to move off of him. I think it's becoming more and more and more clear that. With DJ Moore, 
with some of the pieces there, the momentum that the Bears have, I think as long as you can sucker a team in, and I think, by the way, Washington being number two is a really bad thing for this because I think they needed Washington to be third or fourth and try to move up and pay four first-round picks for Caleb Williams or whatever. If there's a team that's desperate enough to do it, I think you keep Justin Fields and auction off the pick. My concern is that there's just not enough suckers right now. The, pro- the reason you have the pick is because the most desperate team in football already gave you a pick. They already gave you a package like that. So it might be hard to get the Godfather offer, but that that's that's just something to monitor. What happens to Kirk Cousins? Because that'll determine something. Um, you know, kind of who wins that? What happens in Minnesota? Um, I don't think. I mean, people are saying New England. I don't know. It depends who the quarterback is. Excuse me, the coach. And and what they want to do? Do they want to get? a young quarterback in. Um, I just think there's a lot of un- unanswered questions about New England um, to the point that I'm I'm not going to throw them out there yet. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the market's not going to be great. And to answer Peter's question, this was Peter's initial question. Do you sign somewhere or do you try to, to be Joe Flacco? I think you sign somewhere. Because you become a forgotten man and your reputation is not so high. You're not going to be Roger Clemens in the box. Remember that? Does that, is anyone who likes baseball under 30 and listens to podcasts? Probably not. Um, but when I was a kid, Russell, Roger Clemens came back midway through the season, signed a trillion dollar deal with the Yankees, and everybody went nuts. He announced it during a game. You're not Roger Clemens. So you have to. Fight for your place in this league. Also, what happened that like Joe Flacco wasn't even Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco was the fourth option for the Browns. It wasn't like they were like, all right, we got to call Flacco. They had very low expectations for Joe Flacco. So it wouldn't even be Flacco. It would become something completely different. It would be coming in as a closer for a team. And Russell Wilson's not good enough to do that. He's got to stake out a place for himself in this league, go to camp, go to OTAs, whatever. Don't have his own office. He's got to fight for a place in football. All right, we'll be back on probably Tuesday afternoon. We'll be able to post the episode, depending, or Wednesday morning at the latest. Nick Wright, our buddy, known him for a long time. I'm really excited about this. Uh, We'll also be back, obviously, on our normal schedule. So we'll have an episode on Friday as well, previewing the week ahead, some of the nuts and bolts football stuff. This has been This Is Football. Thank you to Flynn and Miles. See you this week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.